what you are basic. Deep, deep down, far, far in, is simply the fabric and structure of existence itself. Peace for all men and women, for all men and women, for all men and women. Not merely peace in our time, peace in all time. Honestly expressing yourself. Peace for all men and women, for all men and women, for all men and women. Not merely peace in our time, peace in all time. Hi everybody, welcome to the Parallel Mike podcast episode number 40. Tonight I've got a fantastic show. We have Johnny Hoddle from the Staying Free podcast joining us. Johnny is a returning guest and he was actually the most popular show this year. It was my one with Johnny where we discussed Mexico and Johnny's experience of moving out there. I've got Johnny back to do a year in review and also a projection for 2024. So this is a really important episode because we discussed from that 10,000 foot view what we saw in 2023. And you know, me and Johnny talk about it in terms of cycles of empire. So what are we seeing take place really? If we zoom out from all of these mini crises, from all of these political scandal, from all of the fake characters that they keep giving us from Argentina, from the US, all of these showmen that are there to convince people to believe in the system. Because what I think we're seeing take place is the end of empire, the end of that five, 600 year long run, this big long empire that went from Venice to Portugal, to Spain, to Holland, to France, then it went to Great Britain. Now it's in America, but it seems to me like that long run is ending. Now that's hopeful in some ways because it means there's a lot of potential. So I think there's a lot of hope too. But in part one, we reflect on that part of things, the 2023 period and also the end of empire. But then in part two, we start to talk about some of these big cycles more closely. So we discuss the solar cycle. We discuss how that's going to impact things ongoing. And then me and Johnny discuss taking radical personal responsibility for our lives. And we discuss our own futures and what we are doing in our lives to try and make sure that we have a fantastic life, a meaningful life that takes us on that spiritual path towards something better. And that's part two. So a very hopeful message, but we do get into those big cycles. So I think you're really going to enjoy this one. It's going to be a really good bookend for 2023 and a way of getting us ready thinking about 2024. So members, please head over to parallelmike.com to listen to the full episode. If you are not a member yet, this is a great time to join us. We've got 40 episodes, including this one now. We've got the forums up and running. So it's a great time to come join the community over there. And I just want to send a big heartfelt thank you to everyone who joined the podcast this year, everyone who became a member. Whether you became a member for two months, three months, or annually, doesn't matter to me. I just really appreciate the support. It really helps my content. It allows me to put more time into my research. And I've got some fantastic episodes lined up for the new year. So I really appreciate everyone who supported me. And whether you are a member or not, I want to wish you the very best Christmas. I wish you all the best for 2024. In closing, good health, good happiness like always. And I'll see you in the next one. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Parallel Mike podcast. We are here with returning guest. It is the host of the Staying Free podcast, Johnny Hoddle. Nice to have you back, Johnny. The first episode was actually one of the most popular of this year. So congratulations on that one. I think it actually had more downloads than any other one. 
So I thought it'd be fantastic to get you back for the end of the year special as my most popular guest. And what I really wanted to do tonight, Johnny, was to discuss 2023. I don't want to get too involved into politics, but I do want to talk about some of this freak show, this, this massive theatre that we're living in with all of these events that just keep happening, constant shock and awe. And I want to talk about 2023, what's happened, what we learned about ourselves, what we learned about the situation that we're in. And then in part two, I really want to look forward towards 2024. I want to discuss things like the solar cycle and what's happening in the financial world, the propensity for this huge financial collapse to happen, the presidential election. There's so much that's coming up for 2024. But first, let's dissect 2023. But before we do that, how's it going, Johnny? Just tell listeners, how's your year been in general? Uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks, Mike, for having me on again. It's awesome to be back on your podcast and to, to catch up again. That's great to hear that that last episode did so well. I mean, I definitely thought that it was a, it was an awesome episode. Obviously, I'm a bit biased, but I feel like we were definitely in our sweet spot with that conversation. Um, and, you know, we really riffed well on that one. So it's good to know that so many other people got value from it as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, my year has been, you know, just like awesome, to be honest. I mean, it's been great. Like things have have kind of come a lot come on a lot with my podcast i've kind of you know really um gained a lot more listeners i think a lot more people are kind of tuning into these kind of conversations which i expected to happen you know i've kind of said from the beginning when i was starting the podcast i really felt like you know the even though alternate media had, had it always been there it had always been in the background and kind of doing its thing but i don't feel like it was until 2020 when people like really felt like they had to completely check out of the mainstream and just say like i'm just not getting real information here i'm not getting um you know real life this is just complete fakery um so you know i've kind of always thought that even though alternate media was technologically there it wasn't there in terms of the yeah i guess the the appetite wasn't there for people to completely make the switch and to completely um you know fully move over to it and i think that's happened and you know i can see that's happened for you know um podcasts like yours and the content you're creating you know a lot of people i know who are in this space doing this stuff have just kind of they keep getting more people tuning in which is awesome because this is you know this is um what needs to happen you know this is the kind of uh equal and opposite reaction to the uh kind of nonsense that happened in, in 2020 and all the lies we were told is that we needed to actually make a change and people be willing to say you know what i'm not going to be lazy and just stick the bbc news on i'm going to listen to people who are giving you know authentic takes and authentic information um so yeah it's been really good for me i mean i've been um you know, living in Mexico for uh, another year. I actually am back in Europe right now and I'll be in, be in Europe for a little while, but uh, yeah, I'm still uh, kind of living in Mexico and, and and loving that life generally. It's been, it's been really great. I mean, it's a, it's an awesome country and I'm very, very kind of bullish on, on it, you know, as a country just generally going forward and stuff. So it's a, it's a good life out there. Um, and even though obviously there's a lot of kind of psyops happening and you know it's just psyop after psyop really but i think that at a certain point you just become a bit immune to it you just it just doesn't kind of like rub you the same way it's just kind of like you know it's just there in the background and you know even though there's, there's these big things happening on the world stage i i kind of feel like i've developed quite a good ability to just tune out of it um you know obviously kind of staying aware of it but staying you know almost just like observing it, observing what the enemy is doing but without getting drawn into the energy of it i think that's for me is is kind of where we need to be you know because we don't want to all be kind of like you know just fearful and kind of living in that state we need to um kind of get on with our lives and you know live good lives and be people who are you know achieving things in the world because you know that's how you win ultimately so um 
so yeah it's been it's been a good it's been a good year for me mike and um yeah how, how's things been been for you what's your kind of uh main takeaways from from this year yeah, it's been a definitely feels like one of those long years of my life. You know, sometimes the years fly by, sometimes you feel like they were really long and drawn out, time changes. So it was a long year for me. It was a really significant year. A key part of that was, I would say, the great taking and being kind of on the zeitgeist of that one when it first started to get released. And I think I was one of the very first people to talk to the author, David Rogers Webb. So that was significant for me. And beyond that, Johnny, I'd say privately, personally, just, yeah, another great year. Tons of work, I would say. Tons of work. 50, 60 hour weeks has been my norm. My wife works a lot as well. So I feel like I barely saw her, even though we live and work in the same uh, house. The farm's gone completely out the window this year. We've got half the jobs that we wanted to do done rather than the full 100%, which we did last year. So I'm hoping in... 2024 to find a little bit more balance and all of that yeah yeah i mean it's it's difficult isn't it when you when you work for yourself because you don't have those set hours i think people who have only worked you know kind of jobs where they're working for an employer you you're very your mind operates on a basis that okay i'm working maybe you know eight nine hours a day and you try to fit your work within that and, you know maybe outside of that you you know you just say well i can't do it or whatever it is but that's just not how it works when you're working for yourself you know you try to take on as much as you can and you're always trying to find ways to you know make it more efficient for yourself but obviously you don't want that to be expense of something like the the content that you're doing you don't want to take shortcuts and kind of like result in uh content that's that's not optimal and you know there's always so much we can you can be doing you know like in this in this kind of game of content creation and stuff there's you know there's always something you're spending your time on even if you say okay well you know it's fine i just I record my episodes every day and I put them out and I don't even edit them. It's like, well, you still got to do guest ideation. You still got to do, you know, um, come up with uh, the ideas, that, the things you're going to talk about. You still got to do, you know, push it to the, the various channels. You still want to kind of respond to people when they when they comment on the videos or whatever it is. There's just always something you can do to, to improve it, which is why, you know, I love it. You know, I mean, it's, it's I, I'm, I can see that you you really enjoy doing content creation stuff as well. So it's I think that maybe you have to be a type of person who is a bit of a workaholic, maybe generally to actually get on board with that, because a lot of people will just say, well, you know, it's too much work. Um, but, you know, it is it, at the other end of it, it is really rewarding. But that's definitely, you know, something I need to do as well is for sure in 2024, I need to find more balance because I I've definitely feel like I've, you know, let things kind of go to the wayside and some things, you know, some things are more important than others but obviously you know you need to make you know you know you need to kind of um cultivate your relationships properly you know you don't want to um kind of feel like you're neglecting people around you so uh that's obviously something that you know is important to to do so i, I think that i've had a similar a similar kind of thought process coming like in the closing of 2023 as well of how i want to approach things next year yeah, I think so. And it is a it's a beautiful thing to be able to do. I mean, the first year I worked on on all of my stuff, my channel, my podcast, I, I wasn't earning any any income from it at all. It was just, you know, and, and it remains to this day that my income actually comes from what I do privately. So really when I do a podcast or when I do a YouTube show, that's just content creation. There's not really any benefit there for me besides people becoming aware of me and then maybe wanting to work with me privately. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So I don't really see it even as a business, but I certainly, you know, I'm grateful for the fact that it does introduce me to people. So it's more of, yeah, it's a passion. And I think you need that passion, Johnny, because it's completely unstable. Uh, we don't even know if our platforms will still exist, if YouTube will keep the channel on for another year another two months another 10 days you just don't know i get shadow banned all 
all the time on there. And I'm sure you've been through this too. Like I know you tried to put your podcast on YouTube and then you had to keep editing bits out because it wasn't suitable. And then that just mm-hmm. made it clunky. Uh, and in the end, mm-hmm. I think you actually said, oh, screw this. I'm not using YouTube anymore. Yeah. And you went back to using other platforms. So so we're, we are fighting an uphill battle, but yeah, you've got the passion. I've got the passion. And the key part of this is the audience. You know, we've got an audience that want to hear what we've got to say, that find value in what we say. And for me, I just find that an absolute blessing. It's all, you know, it's constantly surprising that people want to hear my opinions on things. Like I want to hear my opinions. My wife might want to, but that other people want to hear it is uh, always fascinating. So let's give some of those opinions on 2023. Let's transition into this discussion. How do you feel about what we've seen in this kind of political arena in 2023? Because from my perspective, Johnny, it feels like we've just had a parade never-ending parade of political shills that they're kind of unrolling to try and convince the masses who are starting to get wind that all is mm-hmm. not well, that <laughs> something big is going wrong in the world. And I think more and more people are starting to check out psychologically from this system. They're saying, I don't believe it anymore. I don't believe the mm-hmm. characters. I don't believe the narratives. And they're checking out. And then on the flip side of that, we're getting these more extreme candidates coming out. We had uh, Giorgio Maloney in Italy, We've had Javier Millet or Javier Chile, as I call him, in Argentina <laughs> recently. And lots of people got excited about him, but I immediately said, beware, buyer beware on this one. Uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. So what's your opinion on this? Do you feel like they're trying to hook people back in or do you actually have a different take completely? Do you actually think these people are going to be useful to us on our side on pushing the needle back the other way? Yeah, I, I mean, I've kind of gone back and forth on this one. Like with the whole um, RFK Jr. thing, I... I was never quite sure of that from the from the beginning. It always seemed to me that he was kind of being painted as this kind of hero figure. And we've we've seen this again and again. You know, we saw it with Trump. You know, he was painted as he was painted by the right. The, the right are being given their heroes and the kind of the left are being given their heroes. And then you've kind of got the heroes like, you know, I'm, this is quote unquote heroes who kind of are now designed to appeal to to the center. Like I would also put Elon Musk in this category because, you know, Elon Musk, you know, he's he's the the guy who, you know, is all about um, stopping climate change and, you know, with electric vehicles and all the rest of it and solar panels. You know, this is a guy who is, is he's kind of, he's on the side of the left in that sense, but then he's also, you know, on the side of the right in terms of people think that he's this, this figure of who's going to save free speech and all the rest of it. So, you know, you can, there's a lot of people you can kind of throw into this camp. I feel like the left and right are, both, are all being given their their heroes, whether it's, you know, RFK Jr., whether it's um, uh, DeSantis was, you know, probably one of the the earlier ones with everything going on in COVID. You've got Elon Musk there. You've got Andrew Tate for the people who are kind of more in that, you know, uh, I guess like, dare I call it, Manosphere community. But, I, I, you know, I'm not sure about any of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to necessarily pass judgment too soon, especially, for instance, you, you mentioned um, Millet in, in Argentina. And, you know, I was quite, I was kind of quite bullish about it, but I can also totally see the other side. I can see that since um, his election, it seems like he's very much fallen in line since there. He's, you know, um, he, he's done a lot of things and kind of mingling with a lot of people who you would say, well, you know, these people are, are the enemy. So, um I don't know. I mean, this is why, yeah, I, actually, I won't get too much into that point because I was going to bring up a point that was going to get us into, into kind of Bitcoin and stuff, but let's save that maybe for, for like solutions-based stuff. Just sticking to the topic of, um, you know, the these these kind of people of this year, the, these hero figures. I, yeah, I think that I don't put trust in any of them, to be honest. I I see them all 
I, I can see that there's some good things being said, but it seems like they're just kind of like platitudes to get on board a contingent of the population who are somewhat skeptical and you kind of throw them the bone, you know, with Malay, maybe Bitcoin is his throwing of a bone. You know, the Bitcoiners seem to love him. You know, I'm a Bitcoiner and I was kind of bullish about his election, but maybe that was the bone they were throwing to that community. You know, everyone's kind of getting their their little kind of um, their check mark for these people. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know whether we we can trust them. Um I expect not. I I personally just think that the the mainstream has certain kind of uh, forces in play that are way beyond our control. You know, there is a kind that the cogs that are turning when it comes to mainstream politics and mainstream economics and all of these kind of things, they're so beyond our control. The the expectation that we're going to see something unique happen, some kind of um, you know spanner in the works there that's going to change anything. I just don't think it's going to come from the system at all. I mean, if it was going to come to the system, why would why wouldn't it have, it have happened by now? By now, I think that we we can be pretty sure that that system isn't going to deliver us our kind of solution. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't hold uh, any hope out for any of these people. I think that ultimately it's it's still down to uh, a community level. One thing I do really like though is that this community that you know the freedom community that's sprung up since uh, kind of COVID they're very kind of intolerant to bullshit. And I really like that, you know, because I do think that for the most part, it's becoming, it's becoming um, kind of, I guess, popular or accepted in that community to just say, if you do something which is against the values of this community and the values of what we're trying to build, like you get outed, you know, I don't think people are afraid to call people out. So so I think that's a good thing. Um, And, you know, I have hope that at the very least, um, as these people do expose themselves as shills, that we will all come together and recognize them as such. What, what's your opinion on that, Mike? I think it's difficult because there is a contingent within the community and they could be themselves controlled in some way who just call everyone and anything out as shills. And, you know, we have to be careful because, you know, when I'm talking about ple- people like Yavier Chile, Georgie Maloney, like I can literally show you the research that pretty much shows you who they are. You know, I can talk about what they've said, what they've done in the past. For example, Millet, he took the vaccine for one. He wore the mask. He waved the Ukraine flag. He waved the Israeli flag. He converted to Judaism immediately afterwards. He was hugging Zelensky. His first visit in America was straight to the Clintons. I mean, just put that together. Does that sound like a hero? We can listen to what they say, but I say you will know them by their fruits. Just look at what they do on the big ones. It was the same with Trump for me. For all what he said, he was the architect of Operation Warp Speed, or at least he put his rubber stamp on it. You know, let's face it, none of them are architects of anything. They've got an itinerary of what they're going to do, and that's what they do. So I think we have to be extremely careful. But also, within our community, there are a set group of people who are actually quite toxic as well. And I say our community. It's not my community. I'm talking just in general of this yeah, alternative yeah. media sphere. Uh, and they are quite toxic. It's not adding anything to my life to have people come out and, and name everyone who's controlled opposition and shills. I personally don't even live like that. I couldn't care less. I'm focused on what I'm doing. If somebody says something I like, I'll take it. If somebody says something I don't like, I'll reject it. And if I find out somebody truly from my own research is 
something that I can't get behind, then so what? You know, put them to one side. They're not, I've got no attachment to these people at all. Uh, so I think we have to be careful not to get into that mindset of being judge, jorah, and executioner, least of all when most of us do not live up to the expectations of ourselves in our own private lives. You know, these people who do that, I think it's a psychological hit that they're looking for that because it makes them feel better. Like I'm better than this person. He's famous. He's got all the money, but guess what? He's a shill and I'm not kind of attitude. And yeah, so I try and stay away from those people. Otherwise, I think people are getting more intelligent. I'd say more sophisticated in their ability to recognize the system and how it works. Because what you said there, Johnny, is absolutely true. Regardless of the characters that the, that the machine produces, the machine is set up by the people who we are who we are reposing. And if they've created a machine, for example, to, uh, I don't know, fabricate microchips, it's not going to all of a sudden fabricate a plank of wood. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the machine creates what it creates yeah. and it's not going to create something that it's not intended to. Nobody's going to go through the many filters and layers of this machine and make it to political office without having already ticked many of their boxes. Yeah. So I, I think that's what's happening right now. And that's just my take on it. So I'll hand it back to you, Johnny. What do you think about what I said? Yeah, well, I don't know if you've seen this. Um, I, I really think that, by the way, Noam Chomsky is someone who totally... Uh, exposed himself during during covid but before that i did think that he had some quite interesting things to say and he had an interview you might have seen it it's quite a, quite popular it was with a, i think a bbc presenter or a bbc interviewer and he was kind of talking to noam chomsky and noam chomsky was saying you know what's your opinion on this what's your opinion on that and he was saying oh well you know like i'm a news reporter and these are the questions i ask and these are my beliefs and and he said and he said you know are you kind of are you accusing me essentially of, of of being a shill or being kind of paid or being you know dishonest or whatever and noam chomsky said no i'm not accusing you of that i'm saying you would never have got to that position you're in you would you wouldn't be here sitting giving me an interview for a mainstream tv channel if you didn't already hold those beliefs he, he wasn't he's not saying you know like you're a, you're a shill or being paid or whatever it's just like the reason you're there is is because the incentive structures are such that you have arisen to that position because you and might he would already know Johnny. Have... He would know Mr. Epstein Island, Noam Chomsky. He would know that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, I mean, yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot there. I haven't dug, dug too much into it, but yeah, I'm, I definitely would not say I put any kind of like faith and trust in Noam Chomsky these days. But I do think that what he said there was absolutely true and didn't just apply to, uh, you know, the news. It didn't just apply to that. That applies to. Um, global politics it, it applies to global economics like you know if you're not a kind of keynesian economist who believes that you know we should all be living in an inflationary economy and that you know um modern monetary theory is a real thing and, and works and operates in the world etc you're not going to be a central banker you're not going to be a politician you know you have to ha there's certain beliefs and ideas which you have to have you know you mentioned the the israel thing if you're not a if you're not extremely pro-Israel, you are not going to make it anywhere in politics. That's just that's just a fact. I mean, we don't see anyone not even even people. You say, okay, well, they're not president or they're not you know prime minister or whatever. You don't even see people in the in the kind of vicinity of that kind of role who are, are remotely critical of Israel. It just doesn't just doesn't happen. I think probably the closest anyone ever got was uh, was Jeremy Corbyn. He was probably the as close as you can get to any kind of. Um, position of power and he was still you know essentially in the shadow of government you know he wasn't actually in the government itself so yeah th there's certain opinions and ideas that you just are not tolerated because the incentive structures of the system don't allow for them and you know in terms of what you were saying about you know shills and do we you know are we kind of um painting people with a, a broad brush you know call them shills or are we too quick to jump to that conclusion i kind of think 
you know, the way I, I see it, you know, and it's the same reason I, I hold my, I reserve my judgment for, for people quite generally. I don't, even Elon Musk at this point, you know, I, I expect he's probably a shill. I expect that he is working for the cabal, but I wouldn't go as far as to say I know it for, for certain. Um, however, what I do know is that I can assess things based upon, you know, my own principles. When he does things like say, I'm going to KYC Twitter, you know, you're going to have to use your phone number, all these kind of things. I immediately say, well, that that's wrong. I don't, you know, I know based upon that principle, that's an incorrect action. Whereas I do think there's still a lot of people out there who will go, oh yeah, he's trying to, he's trying to fight spam. He's trying to do this. He's trying to do the other thing because they've got a hero complex within them. They want a hero and therefore they will see anything that someone like Musk does or someone like Trump does. They will spin it in their mind to, to maintain their hero status because it's safe. You know, people want to have a hero. They want to believe in someone. So even if I, you know, there are people I definitely think are shells and there's other people who I'm uncertain about and other people I don't. But the most important thing is, I think that, that we just assess things that we have our own criteria personally. And my criteria generally is, does it make the individual more sovereign? Like, is what this person is advocating, does that does that uphold individual rights, um, you know, individual kind of civil liberties? And does it promote individual sovereignty? And if it doesn't, if it doesn't do any of those things or it goes against those things, then my immediate instinct is, well, you know, you're not on our, you're, you're, you might be on our side in some things, but you're not completely on our side. And therefore I might listen to a few of your opinions, but I'm not going to spend too much time. You know, um, I'm certainly not going to spend any time sitting around and worshiping you as I see some people doing for, you know, some of these um, professed heroes. So yeah, that, that's the way I do it. I think that's the most important thing is that people have a genuine understanding of their own principles and then just operate from that. And then it doesn't really matter what, you know, Musk or Trump or RFK Jr. or, or whoever it is does. You just say, okay, does it align with the principles I have? The important thing is to get clear on that. Yeah, they, they keep giving these archetypes, don't they, heroes, and the characters are getting more and more brash, and they're saying things that even 10 years ago, people would have considered unsayable. One of the people I wanted to bring up was Vivek Ramaswamy, who's been talking about cutting the Federal Reserve by 90%. Uh, he's another US politician that's saying all the right things. He's sued saying, he's telling the people that are on the right things that they want to hear, but that is the nature of the beast the beast is dying the system is on its final leg now and we are entering that stage of systemic collapse as that happens and i keep saying this to people as that happens more and more people are going to awaken to what's happening to them what's being done to them and how some of the system works i think many people still have a long way to go in terms of understanding the true complexity of the deception that exists at the top of this system that all of it is wrapped up in a pretty little bow. It's very, very difficult for anyone that approaches us, like, for example, Elon Musk. All of these people at the top are so enmeshed with the system. So I, I think that's that's kind of a very dark thought for most people is that, wow, could it really all be one giant show? And I operate always from the principle it is. And then I kind of take everything that comes from it with a pinch of salt uh, and I think that's the that's my that's my safest stance to take. I think if I take it from that stance, then I don't care too much about it. And I look at parallel systems, creating something that's organic from the ground up rather than hoping it falls down from the top all of a sudden someone comes along and saves it all, mm -hmm. which is the archetype, which we all hope for, Johnny, because it's a much easier strategy than having to figure out our own lives and ourselves psychologically to be somebody that's actually heroic ourselves. I mean, that's the hardest thing in life, but ultimately, I don't know if you've ever looked at a tarot deck, it's that story, you know, you start off as the fool and you finish as the hero, you know, you succeed mm -hmm. and 
it's or in Buddhism you'd say it's enlightenment, or in Christianity it's becoming that uh, Christ-like selfless person who manages to lead people out of the wilderness. So I, I think that's what we should be doing. I think that's what every religion's always been about. Every spiritual quest and spiritual endeavor it has always been about you self-actualizing and becoming the hero. And what they try and do is accept that and say, no, no, sit back, tune out, turn your TV on, get your YouTube out, get Twitter on, rant into the void and hope for the hero. And here's one. Oh, oh, you didn't work. Okay, here's another one. But as the system gets more and more decayed, Johnny, those heroes have to be more radical and they have to speak more truths because people are becoming more and more educated to the system. You see what I mean? So they can't give us the hero of 10 years ago because that wouldn't work on today's audience. Mm -hmm. And it won't work on tomorrow's audience in a year once we learn that what was told to us this year was all lies. And then people will become even more disaffected. So I think we're going to see more of it. And, you know, who knows, Johnny, we may even see one of these people get into power and actually do some of these things. And that could still be a lie. That could still be the system repeating itself to ensure it survives another year or so. Well, I mean, um, it's kind of, it's kind of, by the way, the, I know you mentioned about the tarot. You, you recommended me a book. I think it was in our last conversation. I think it was called Meditations on the Tarot or something. It was, yeah. That, 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 one's, on my, that one's on my Christmas list. So I'll hope, hopefully I'll have more to say about that next year. But um, it'll just, take just you a year to read that one, Johnny. So it might be oh, 2025 when we do that one. <laughs> God. Well, if it, if, it take, if it takes the average person a year, it will take me five years, I would say, because I'm an incredibly slow reader. Hopefully it's got lots of pictures, Mike, of, <laughs> of like characters. Not. No, <laughs> it's uh. a very deep book, though. Extremely deep. It's, uh, it's probably one of the hardest to engage with books. I've ever read, not because the writing's not beautiful, it's very nicely written, but it is extremely deep in that. It's one of those books where you read a few lines and you're like, ah, oh, that's too profound. Like I need to go and think about that and kind of digest what he's told me. And if you try and read five or six pages at a time, you've absorbed so much in that five or six mm. pages that if you just read it like that, you'd miss all of the value. So it's one that you kind of have to go back to again and again, I think. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Well, I'm even more excited for it now. So that's great. But yeah, in terms of what you were saying about um about the you know, the these essentially the clown world is what we're talking about here, right? <laughs> Good way of putting uh, And um, you know, like because I think this is happening in, in both senses. I, you know, I see people sitting around, you know, kind of posting videos of the latest you get this a lot in the kind of, you know, the alt-right uh influencer sphere. And they they're always posting videos, what's the latest thing that Joe Biden's done that's you know, he's said something to this person or he's tripped over here or he's tried to walk through a door that doesn't exist or whatever he's done. And it's like, but but this is part of it as well. It's like, do they genuinely think that these people, his handlers and stuff, like that they think they're getting away with it? Like Joe Biden's decline into um, whatever it is, cognitive decline, it, that's all part of it. That's part of the show. This isn't something they're trying to cover up. This isn't like, oh, it's happening. And, you know, how can we cover it up? We'll just not put it in the mainstream news like the mainstream news no it's not like that at all they want people on alternative media to see that stuff they want the people on alternative media to see joe biden's decline and the people in the mainstream media to see joe biden as some kind of great statesman because that all reinforces this kind of um this system of, of two different people who have different sets of ideologies it's all about divide and conquer so even that is part of bread and circuses you know and then you've got elon musk is almost the equal and opposite of that you know he's the guy who's like uh, you know, he's this this great uh, inventor. He's this great entrepreneur. He's this amazing engineer. He's a purveyor of, of free speech and all this stuff. He's like the opposite of the Joe Biden, right? So you, you we're being given kind of both people. You, you're being given the, I don't know, I just see it all as, I just see it all fake. And like you say, it's like the world is a stage. The world really is a stage. And when you see it 
from that lens, you can almost start to enjoy it. You can almost just start to be like, well, this is just like so stupid. How do people, how do people believe in the same way that I laugh at, uh, you know, people who believe that Joe Biden is a great statesman. I also laugh equally at the people, at the kind of alt-right people who don't realize that we're supposed to be seeing Joe Biden's a ridiculous decline into senility like that's all part of it as well like the whole thing is a stage just because you're you know eating popcorn watching him fall down some stairs or whatever and some, some of the people are eating popcorn watching him you know make a, a scripted speech off a teleprompter about israel or whatever it's all part of the same thing you're still engaging with the system you're still putting your energy into it and like i think once you start getting away from that and you just say no i'm just going to turn it all off i'm going to like you know speak to people who who get it and actually work on things that are real and and try to you know, build yourself up in your communities, things change for you, you know, like, like, it's just such a, a good tran- um, kind of trans transformation that happens on like a personal and a, and a community level. And it's actually happening on a global global level. So, you know, I try to just kind of focus my energy on that stuff, despite the fact that the clown world is is doing its thing. Yeah, me, me too. And you know, it's very strange, because people always approach me with stories to do with politics, stories to do with politicians and asking me questions. And I don't think they quite understand me as a person because I'm like, I really don't have any interest in politics at all. Like, I'm like, yeah, but you talk about this, that, and fine. I'm like, I'm talking about finance. I'm talking about parallel systems. I'm talking about specific things that are important to us, but I'm cutting out all of the fat, which is the clown world, which you just described, the big mm-hmm. theater. Like none of that actually matters to me at all. I couldn't care less about it. But sometimes I do look into it a little bit just because people constantly pester me about something like, for example, Javier Millet. I never looked into that guy once and I couldn't care less what he said because my paradigm is that it's a clown world. It is a theater. And when people kept asking me and then he got elected and everyone was so excited, I literally spent and I was like, okay, I'm going to finally look into this damn guy. (laughs) I literally spent, I'd say an hour and a half looking into him and immediately it was like this long chain of red flags just this i mean the guy's an, an occultist he does seances with his sister like all these weird things coming out i'm he, like he does what seances with his sister they're very What's much that? uh where they try and call up the spirits of dead people so like spirit oh cooking you know that oh, really? Ma- maria abramovich kind of thing well his sister's pretty much a witch like and this is like he's a, he talks about it himself like he talks about how he got told by a spirit that he was the reincarnation of a dead Roman warrior and his dog was the reincarnation of that Roman warrior's lion that he wrestled and tamed and really, really? weird stuff. Like, And he actually cloned that dog. The dog I'm talking about, he cloned it in America. He paid 50 grand to get his dog cloned because he so loved his dog. And he said... This in is so much my kids such a small amount of time. Have you I done know. a video on this? Uh, <laughs> this guy sounds like an absolute kook. Yeah, and uh, he said cloning is the path to eternity. So he's a transhumanist as well. He's very much of the Elon Musk brain chip crowd. He said recently in an interview that the brain chip is going to transform the way we can live and it's going to enable us to have super intelligence and he's really for it. So, you know, when once you really start to peel back the layers beneath the and the lights and the, you know, the excitement and the big statements about central banks and this, that, and the other. It's actually, no, he is exactly the kind of person that they would want in power. But one thing that I did want to mention, you talked about Joe Biden and how people on the right are being suckered into this. If everyone tomorrow woke up and said, oh, it's all bullshit, I'm leaving it, it would die. It's over. Like the game's up, Mm -hmm. the show's over, the curtains are drawn, and we have to start something new. So they need the people on the right to do it too. But there is a naivety on the right because, okay, the the propaganda on the left is, I'd say it's much more childlike and simplistic. So if you 
are outside of that paradigm. For example, chopping chopping off the genitals of kids, like you've got to be kind of psychologically broken mm-hmm. to, to believe that's good. So the right is certainly a cut above. However, they still fall for all of the same psychological cues just because it's a little bit more sophisticated. And they need these people on the right to still engage with the system because if that whole crowd, that let's say 50% just for argument's sake, left, the system would still fall apart because you couldn't just have people on the left believing in it. So that's why I think they're so desperate. And you're almost seeing the two teams now set up. Uh, and you can't help but think Alex Jones going back onto Twitter at this point is part of that mm-hmm. part of that whole show. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump's coming back. Elon Musk. You know, this is like the kind of the golden boys on the right that are now setting up. And then on the left, you're going to have all of these crazy alphabet soup people, the BLMs and uh, all of those. But what's your what's your thoughts on what we were shown this week? It was absolutely disgusting. That video of a staffer having gay sex in Capitol Hill. Did you see that one in the media? Thankfully, I did not see that video at all, Mike. I haven't even heard about it. I actually would say, although I haven't seen this one, I would say that, to be honest, I felt like Twitter probably a year ago, and maybe it's just because I've, you know, blocked the accounts or whatever the algos have changed for me. But I'm seeing, I would say, like less just kind of like real shock and awe videos um, on Twitter and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I don't know whether that's necessarily just because... It could just be be me because I, I tend to block these things when I people. See, mine's people got sharing, worse, you know? Johnny. That's so strange to hear. Far worse than it was a year ago. Because maybe I just stopped paying attention to it, and you know, if you if you block stuff or whatever, they just say, okay, well, let's stop giving them these things. I've noticed that if you share stuff, so let's say you have a tweet and you uh, you re- you want to share it with people, and you copy the you copy that tweet, you'll get loads of really similar stuff. It's like these social networks; they love it when you copy copy the link. Cause they're like, okay, they're sharing it off the platform. Like we need to give them more of this stuff because it's kind of getting the word out. So I guess because I would never share these kind of videos, you know, they probably stopped pushing them to me, but yeah, I mean, you, you do get all this kind of stuff. And like you were saying about the whole, the whole left, right thing, I'm beginning to, to, to really see, and I guess I've seen for a while, but increasingly so just that left and right are actually still on one part of the spectrum. They're still, they're actually quite close to each other on the spectrum, you know, because even people, you know, on the right, they they still are very like, they just still have this belief in the system. And, you know, oftentimes they don't really have any kind of fundamental principles themselves anyway. Like they, they just believe in, okay, well, let's have maybe less taxation. Or, I mean, I'm finding, to be honest, that the, 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 a lot of people on the right, they're still fighting this, this kind of culture war, which I kind of feel like should have long been abandoned. This whole thing about, you know, uh, wokeism and stuff. And I'm just like, where, where is this, where is this going? I mean, I just don't see it really kind of going anymore. Just getting, I don't see it kind of going anywhere, getting just triggered about whatever the latest kind of progressive, this or the other is. I just kind of think what, if you're not kind of getting down and, and, you know, creating your own communities and stuff, then you're just, you're still going to perpetuate it because you're still putting your energy into it. Like the more that you keep, you know, being out there tweeting about, okay, well, you know, they, they shouldn't be doing you know progressives are saying this or that it's like well well then the algos go okay well people are getting really fired about this so let's 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 share some videos about what the what the woke lefties are doing or whatever and we'll we'll make it go viral and then there can be bigger arguments and stuff whereas i just think like okay just just kind of like try to disconnect from it like if you don't like where that's going focus on your own stuff i mean and try to i know that you've talked about this a lot in your live streams and stuff is try to kind of reconnect with stuff that's happening you know on an individual basis like reconnect with uh things that's happening with your family you know that's happening in your community and things like that like don't just stay in this 
in this zone of being triggered all the time. Um, but you know, the other thing for me is just have something you care about beyond that, like have something that you're working towards or have something that you actually value uh, for you, you know, whatever that project is, maybe it's an art project, maybe it's, uh, you know, maybe it's a music project, whatever it is, there's, there's really like, um, kind of more satisfying and I think meaningful expressions to, to channel that. Um, you know, I think that's why we've seen great art in the past, you, you know, like quite often, you know, you listen to a great song, you know, it's been inspired by something that's someone channeling their, their emotional energy into something in a constructive way. Whereas I feel like just going and, you know, having flame wars, on Twitter is not really a, a conducive outlet for that. Yeah, I agree. I think you need to have a very clear vision for your own life. Otherwise you are just living in the theater. And I think throughout history, it's probably always been the same. I think the people and the families who truly run this show, and I'm talking intergenerational power that goes back thousands of years, you don't make it that long unless you have a very good system set up that you can replicate time after time with each civilization or incarnation of society. So I think they understand what they're doing. I don't think they care at all about the collapse of the US or any of that. I think they are, they're front running that. They know where it's going to go next to China. There's going to be a whole new system. They're trying to shape it around them. So they're going to be in control again. But I do think we are in the last days of this one, this kind of Western empire that we've had 500, 600 years of. I think the US is going to be the final one. And it looks to me like an empire that's failing. I mean, if you go back to when Rome fell, it fell because of some key things, military overreach, political corruption, currency debasement. And we're coming to the end of that cycle. I don't think there's anywhere to debase it further. Uh, cultural and moral decay. And then ultimately that decadence and a lack of a unifying belief. And another thing that happened during uh, the end of the Roman Empire, they had this period called Pax Romana. It means Roman peace. It finished around 180 AD. But after that, they started to bring in the Visigoths. So they couldn't get the military. The, the military was so overstretched, they started to bring in these outsiders. And then those outsiders eventually turned on Rome itself. So, you know, with all of this migration, the exact same thing's happening. It's the exact same thing. This migration is the vice gods coming in. We're letting them in the gate. And eventually, what are they doing? Well, they're doing what we see now. They're tearing down our cities. They have zero cultural affinity to us. So exactly what happened in Rome is happening now. So what's your thoughts on that, Johnny? That actually, if you peel back the layers, we're actually living through civilization collapse over here. And uh, it's gonna. it could potentially fully manifest itself I would say in the very, very near future, or at least in our lifetimes. I mean, these things can go on for decades, I guess. But I'd say for the, for the entirety of at least our lives, if you zoom out, at least going back to September the 11th, I think we have been living through a collapse and it's kind of speeding up now. Yeah, I, I definitely see those parallels as well. And, you know, the probably one of the key ones as well, which I'm not sure if you mentioned it there, is that what they were doing during the collapse of the Roman Empire, they were clipping coins so that they were they were getting rid they were basically devaluing their currency they were literally taking metal out of the coins and expecting it to be worth the same and as they did that the government you know clips the coins and then they keep the spare metal and make new currency for themselves and it kind of all of the signals all of the market signals basically got distorted people yeah you know that 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 erodes away at society you know when you're kind of your money which is the essentially the communication layer for all of trade and for identifying wants and needs and stuff when that breaks down the society inevitably goes with it and we've been doing that i think we're long overdue in that respect in terms of uh having a a collapse but the difference is that we haven't really 
you know, people weren't really prepared with five alternatives. And now I think that people are getting educated about them. So um, I think that those who are positioned well to resist it um, will actually do really, really well on the other side of it. But yeah, I do think that that, that collapse is inevitable. And I think in terms of what you're saying about um, immigration, I mean, I've been very, very disconnected from that because, you know, being, being in Mexico, like Mexico is almost like the polar opposite. Mexico kind of takes in people who are quite wealthy, treats them pretty well, and then they contribute to the society and the economy. That's basically Mexico's kind of economic principle when it comes to immigration. Now, that's obviously very, very different in Europe. I know that uh, Rick's talked a lot about the issues in Ireland, especially. It seems like um, Ireland is having like a really, really hard time with this. I know that like it's happened in in the UK as the wider UK as well. Um, and, and now that you've got this situation with Israel and uh, Palestine, that's that's creating, and I don't know where that's going to go because you've essentially got people who you've got huge, huge numbers of people uh, living in the UK who are, you know, Islamic in their ideology. And they will um, obviously be very, very pro-Palestine. And they are somewhat supported by, you know, a lot of other people. I, it's not necessarily just left or, or just right, but there's a lot of other people who, who support that. And then there's people on the other side who are very, very pro-Israel and you've got um, kind of conflicts forming there. I don't know how that's going to manifest itself with the amount of immigration that you've got across the uk because essentially what should be really a foreign conflict i think is inevitably going to be imported into the rest of the uk because it's a, a huge uh, hot topic it's it, you know these are ideologies that are so entrenched that people are willing to fight for it and if the uk makes the you know potentially the the, the wrong move or if israel does does something really bad arguably they already are i think it's a it's a melting pot you know you could um see genuine um kind of conflicts break out on the streets of europe about this so it's a real it's a real um situation i don't know whether that was something which was intentional i mean i've always um kind of posited that the reason for the such liberal immigration uh in europe was essentially to to mask the rising living costs that were happening as a result of inflation. So essentially, you know, the, the way to, to kind of like mask your inflation is you bring in immigrants who are willing to work for rates that nobody else would in the country. And th those labor costs bring down the value of goods and services to, to mask inflation. That had always been my argument, but now I hear a lot of people saying, well, no, the, the reason for it was because you've essentially got a kind of standing army willing to fight. And then you have an issue like, you know, Israel, Pal Palestine ready to go. And all of a sudden you've got conflict on the, on the street. So I guess that's more of the kind of black pill look at, uh, look at things, but whichever way you look at it, this is a serious situation now. I don't know how it's going to, how it's going to pan out. I'm interested to know your thoughts, Mike. Yeah. I said, I said from the get go, Johnny, I thought this one was, was far easy to descend than a lot of the things because, you know, you bring across the most violent age, demographic which is young men in their um early 20s early 30s you bring across just young men you take them to a culturally alien country that doesn't want them there for the most part you stick them in hotels where all they've got is a little stipend to buy some alcohol kick around playing some football and um, phones to watch whatever violent videos just sat there consuming toxic things and then all you need is a trigger uh, and now all of a sudden you've got whether it's I mean, some people say, oh, is it a NATO army or they've got some kind of terrorist army that they're trying to create? I, I always say to them, you don't need that. You just stick them there 
and then using their phones and the algorithms or world events, such as what's happening in Palestine, and then just have that trigger. And then immediately through their mobile phones, you can ensure that they get fed all of that, rile them all up. And then all it takes is one hotel to break out in street violence. And that'll spread like wildfire across all of them. Now, they've got thousands of these hotels now up and down the country in the UK. And you've also got mega I would say ghettos in places like Sweden, Germany, lots of European cities, Austria, France. And you can see, Johnny, that all it takes now is for that trigger to be pushed. And this thing in Palestine, that could be it. And all of a sudden, you've got chaos on the streets of Europe. Now, I could see how that could be extremely useful for people who are trying to mask the collapse of a financial system and need to Mm -hmm. continuously apply more social restrictions and also lock people down to try and slow the velocity of money, keep people... I mean, if everyone's rioting on the streets, no one's going to be going outside. People are going to be terrified. And what are they going to do? They're going to demand more of the one thing that is the most damaging to them, which is government. (laughs) More big government, more restrictions. And that is how you can create this cycle where people are always demanding more of the one thing that's going to destroy them. Now, how would you feel, Johnny, if you were sat there with your wife uh, and some kids and you was in, let's say, a nice little quaint English village of about 400 people, and they tell you, right, we're sticking in 400 men in this airfield just about two miles out of town. I mean, how would you feel about that? Would you feel that that's a benefit to you and your family, or would you think, I'm getting the hell out of here? Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, Mike, I I, I, I think that there's very, very valid concerns there. I mean, I've not had, in my time, you know, living in the UK and stuff, I've not really kind of like felt like this, this um like too much in the way of kind of, I guess, like racial or con- cultural conflict. But I think it depends where you live. I mean, you do, you know, you hear that there's issues with like grooming gangs, things like that. It's nothing that's, you know, I have any kind of like personal or direct experience with. Um, but I think that it would be naive to say that there are kind of these cultural differences that could very easily erupt. And I think the difference is because you kind of have, you know, a lot of like, um, you know, I guess you call them maybe like first generation immigrants, people who came after the war and we're kind of helping to rebuild Britain and stuff. And I think that that they integrated very, very well. And I think that it seems that it, it's it's a matter of um, how many immigrants can you take and, and does it kind of like shift the um, the tides in terms of the actual culture of, of a country? I think it, it's, it's all depending on numbers, but if you have huge, huge numbers uh, and you don't have a lot of time before you bring in more numbers, there's no time to kind of culturally assimilate people don't, you know, it's over time that people develop um, kind of maybe more British values, et cetera. So I don't know how it will all play out. I mean, I've, when I lived in London, it's an extremely multi- multicultural city, but it didn't seem to me like there was a, a huge amount of kind of cultural conflict there. I always thought that, it, that people seem to get on pretty well, but uh, I know that in other areas of the UK, that's not the situation. So I guess we'll just kind of see how it is. I mean, yeah, it's really hard to say. Just I know we're about to move on to, to part two. I'm interested to know because obviously you've been in Poland. Poland, we we generally you know know it as a place that is quite cultural. Uh, I guess is, is it um, homogenous when it's is it homogenous? Yeah, culturally homo- homogenous. Homo- culturally homogenous. Yeah, it, has that changed recently? Because I know you've had a, a change of politics over there. I think it's is it Donald Tusk or something who's now running things and. It is. is there now a different approach to immigration or is it staying pretty much the same? No, I think it's going to change fast. I mean, that's what they do. They, you know, this is why politics as well is always destined to fail. And even if you immigrate to a country where a country appears to be on the right track, you've got to 
you've got to realize that at some point that country is going to be a part of an agenda because that's just the way it is. It's, it's not like Poland could stop an agenda that's global unless the people here revolt uh, in a way that hasn't happened in the UK. And it's possible, but you know, I guess if a load of their young men get sent off to war, then maybe not. One thing that I would say is a big hope, and maybe this could be where we take it in part two as well, is the propensity that they fail. And I believe they will fail. I don't know how they fail or when they fail. That's the problem. But I think they do fail. And when they when the monetary system fails, which could, Johnny, that could happen in 2024. You know, this yeah. idea that these people are, are omnipotent and they can keep this all together is a lie. They are desperate. Mm -hmm. And if the monetary system fails, there is no room for war. There's no money. I mean, the US empire will fail with it. So I think there's a potential for the monetary system collapse to actually help us in another way that it will stop that kind of war. It wouldn't be pretty though, Johnny. I mean, God, food supply chains, medicine, all of it could go. So we could go back to the stone ages as well. So I prepare, I prepare for all scenarios, but I certainly also prepare to actually enjoy my life too. I'm not somebody who sits here and worries about these things because I think once you've took action to prepare yourself, that frees up a lot of space to live a little bit more, I would say philosophically about it and say, yeah, you know, the Roman Empire did collapse, but you know what? People survived it. People continued to live. People continued to grow the food. And, you know, maybe those people actually had a far better life during that. As long as they found a place of safety, perhaps it was even better than living underneath this tyrannical empire. You know, like you, I believe the best community is one where we form it ourselves and we have this this ethos of personal individual liberty and freedom. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, Mike. And I think that... um everything you say could come true and i think that you've got to be kind of like aware of all of these things happening but just i think the important thing is just being aware of history you know which i know that you are um very kind of well read of his of history and things like that so i think that if you if you have an awareness of history you know that these things are always changing you know that kind of like rises and falls are constantly happening uh, then you can get a bit more stoic about potentially that fall happening when you're you know kind of in your prime you know as as we are the the, the collapse is, is happening around us while we're essentially in our prime and it's a very interesting thing to be a part of but you know it's obviously it's scary but at the same time there's huge opportunity always there i think and um and it has to happen at some point i mean fiat money is gonna is gonna um ultimately lead to collapse like that's just a it's just a mathematical certainty so the fact that it happens if it happens now or if it happens 50 years or 100 years it's gonna happen at some point so uh I just think get get prepared and like you said, um, you know, start kind of building alternative systems, build build parallel systems. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's probably a good good uh, point then to to wrap this one up for the first half, Mike. That's great, Johnny. Thank you so much for joining us once more. I think this is a great way to wrap up the year with a kind of look back on 2023. But for members, we're going to go straight into part two, where we're going to be discussing 2024. And, you know, I think it's going to be one for the ages. I think there's some big cycles that are coming into place. I want to discuss them with you and get your take, particularly the solar cycle. I think that one's absolutely key. And I just want to get your take on what you think is coming next and how you're going to manage that personally, spiritually, emotionally. So thank you so much, Johnny. Where can people find you? Uh, yeah, so you can find it on, if you go to the link tree is the best place where I've got links to all of the major platforms. I don't know. Do you, do you have a link tree, Mike? I'm trying to remember I do because URL of you. Structure. You told me to get ah, a link okay. tree, so I did. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, so mine is link. It's linktr.ee slash stayingfreepod. That's got links to all the major platforms. So you can go and find it on the Fountain app, which is the place I always recommend. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, 
uh, Amazon, so all those major uh, platforms there. And then it's, I'm also on Rumble. Uh, YouTube, no, because YouTube is full of censorship. So I do not um, suggest that people go there. Although I do put my tra trailers there. And I've got a Telegram group as well, which you can, uh, hopefully uh, you can put that one in the in the notes as well, Mike. Yeah, so I'll put that in the show notes, everyone. I am on Johnny's show for a Christmas special. So I think that one will probably come out in a few weeks, Johnny, two or three weeks when once we've recorded it. I'm going to try and speed this one up, actually, Mike. I'm going to make it a priority. And hopefully my aim is to get it out before Christmas, or if not, certainly between Christmas and New Year. Uh, so yeah, we've got that one coming. That'll be a fun one. It's got a few a few people. I think we've got uh, four of us confirmed for that now. So that'll be a, a fun conversation. Thank you so much, Johnny. Let's get to part two. What you are basically. Deep, deep down, far, far in, is simply the fabric and structure of existence itself. Peace for all men and women, for all men and women, for all men and women. Not merely peace in our time, peace in all time. Honestly expressing yourself. Peace for all men and women, for all men and women, for all men and women. Not merely peace in our time, peace in all time. The fabric and structure of existence. Peace in our time. Peace in all time.